0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcralee.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve.
1: Amen, church. Let's take our Bibles today and turn to the New Testament book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 2. If you're visiting with us today or are unfamiliar with the Bible, you can open up to the table of contents and you'll find a list of all the books there in the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter number two. Wonderful singing today, church. We praise the Lord. Let us behold our God. He is wonderful. He is good. He's kind. Hebrews chapter number two. Find your place in verse number 14. And let's read to the end of the chapter. Verse number 14 through verse number 18. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death. He might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful, and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Let's pray together. Our glorious Father, we come to you in this time. We pray that you would calm our hearts and our souls and our minds. We thank you for this good Lord's Day, our Bible study hour. We thank you for the opportunity to pray together, to read scripture, to sing to the glory of God, to give as the Lord has prospered us back to you and your work, to hear good testimony of our team that went to Boston And now, Lord, to open up Your Word and have it proclaimed to us, we pray that You would speak to us by Your Word through the Spirit of God. I pray for those that are present today, member or visitor alike, who are unbelieving. Father, we pray that you would convict and convince of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and that they would turn before it's everlastingly too late to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in this room, those who are on top of the mountain, those who are deep within the valley, and those of us who are just plodding along the side of the hill. May you uh, whisper into our hearts the goodness and the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and we shall thank you for all that you do this day for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we do pray these things amen I'm not sure if I shared this with you but years ago when I was in junior high I was uh, in summer school now uh, you may say why were you in summer school that's another story for another day and I remember I was in summer school, and uh, there was this uh, fella. and early this morning, I was debating as to whether to use his name or not, so I got on Facebook to see if he were on there. I won't use his name in case one day he hears this sermon. But this fella was big and bad and mean, and he bullied me. Every day I went to school, and you would say, man, Steve, you're you're a big fella," but I I wasn't back then. And I remember I would just hide, and I tried to run down the corridor before he could get me, but it seemed that he was always around the corner. It seemed every turn I would make, he was there. And I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, we uh, may uh, laugh a little bit about that, but that's really a a serious situation for uh, any myriad of children in school. But I remember I was so scared of this fella. And uh, I remember I went home and I have a big brother and uh, now these days I'm kind of his big brother, but uh, I have an older brother and I remember uh, I was just kind of crying and he said to me, he said, well, what's the problem? And I said, man, every time I go every day, I don't want to go and I need to pass, but I don't want to go because he's there. He's going to beat me up. He scares me half to death. And my brother said, well, I'll take you to school tomorrow. And I, uh, so he took me to school, and I remember he, he, you know, he said, now, now get out and walk down there. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do He's there. I said, he said, just, just get out and, and, and walk to class. It's going to be okay. And I was nervous. And so, man, I, I bolted. I'm not a fast person. I've never been fast. But I'm telling you, I burned a trail all the way to class. School ended that day and I remember peeking around the corner and looking and I was, I was waiting and uh, so I, I started to go down this hallway to get out there to where the car's going to be and there, lo and behold, is the bully. And wouldn't you know it, he turned and he ran. <laughs> he must have been impressed by the muscles that I was working on. And of course, like, You know, anybody, I just kind of put my suspenders in there and just started strutting down the way. That's right. I don't know what happened. My brother said that he had a talk with the brother. I don't know what happened, and I don't want to know what happened when they met. But what I do know is that my big brother came to the rescue that day, and it made all the difference in the world for me, and that fella never bothered me again. In fact, one time he even said, hi, Steve, to me in the hallway. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand today that there are three enormous and gigantic bullies in the Christian life. And that is the devil and death and sin. In fact, it's not just for the Christian life. It's for everybody in the world. The devil and death and sin are bullies that knock on all of our doors. They hide behind every corner and they are big and they are bad and they are ugly. But thank God today we have a big brother who has conquered all of them. Amen? And that's what the text teaches us today. And so let me just, in a hurry, take this text apart for us and give you maybe three simple points that Jesus conquers the devil, He conquers death, and He conquers sin. Now, sometimes when you come to church, I step on your toes and you walk out of here saying, Oh, ouch, I, I need to get that fixed. Maybe today you just need to rejoice and you just need to revel in the fact and be encouraged today that Jesus is on His throne. And He is wonderful and glorious and good. And Jesus has the victory. And when you leave today, be a bit encouraged in your soul to face the world, to face the devil, to face death, and to face sin because He's overcome all of it. Amen. Look down at the text, if you were, verse number 14. He says, therefore, and that reaches back into the last several verses of which we don't have time to reach today. But look what he says here. He says, since the children, that's you and me together as brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, now notice the comparison here. Since the children, and what do we do? We share in flesh and blood. And actually that reads blood and flesh. When you say flesh and blood in this text, it brings together notes of family notes. That's my flesh and blood. But actually what it says here is, he share, we share in blood and flesh in humanity. So we may not all be of the same family, but we all share humanity together. We come from various areas of the world. We have different backgrounds. We have different lives, but we all share one thing in common and that is that we are flesh and blood or blood and flesh human beings. And then look at the comparison here. You see the emphasis here, this uh, emphatic double pronoun. He himself he himself, likewise, also partook of the same. Of what? Our flesh and blood humanity. Notice that in verse number 14 in the beginning, we share right in our humanity. That is, a, uh, this, this means that we always have it, that it's something that is consistent and it stays with us all of our life. But when it says that likewise he, the word partook, it means that at a certain point in time, Jesus decided to put on humanity. Jesus decided... He is the second person of the Godhead, eternally God. But at a particular point in time, God decided that we needed help. And so he took to himself humanity. He himself likewise also partook of the same. That is our human nature. And now notice what the text says, that through death. That through death. Two things come through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll want to notice in your text, you'll see where the word might or something like that happens twice here. Two things come from the death of the Lord Jesus. First is this, that he might render powerless the devil. And from verse number 15, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. So what does the death of Christ bring about? The destruction of Satan and the deliverance Of those who will believe in him. Look back down to the text. First of all, through his death, he might render powerless, or your translation may say, destroy. You've got to be careful with that. It is not a destruction as in to annihilate, but it means that it renders Satan impotent, powerless. That yes, he is still alive. Yes, he is in the world doing his work. But in the end, the devil loses. Can I get an amen there? We have read the end of the book. Jesus wins, the devil loses, and ultimately he is rendered powerless by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He renders him powerless. That is the devil. You see, brothers and sisters, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death of Christ for us, He comes and takes on our humanity. He goes to the cross and He dies. And in His death, He does what we could not do in ourselves, and that is He defeats Satan. And then also, look at verse number 15. Not only does He destroy the devil, He delivers those who believe in Him and might free That might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. I'm reminded of the song that we sing in this church sometimes that says conquering over death by death. He brings the devil to destruction and he brings death into impotency as well. He delivers all of those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. I like the movie and the the Chronicles of Narnia... Many of you have seen those, and if you haven't, just give me a geek second here, okay? In the Chronicles of Narnia, you find that when Aslan comes to the altar and it's time for him to die, that the Bible says there is an ancient, or the the movie says that there is an ancient form of magic from the dawn of time, that uh, when you sin, one had to give their life, and the witch is caught up in the fact that one has to give their life when they sin, and then it says that there was a deeper magic still from before the dawn of time, that when one who was innocent gave themselves on behalf of the guilty, that death would begin to work backwards. And that's what happens when Jesus dies for us. Death begins to roll back and work backwards. And resurrection life comes into the heart of those who would believe where we were given over to slavery, where we were given over to bondage, to sin, to death, to the devil, Jesus has freed us. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for what the law could not do weak as it was Christ did for us. He has broken our chains. He has broken our bondage. Yes, you may have the remnants of the old nature in side but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world jesus wins the day glory hallelujah to him he conquers over death he conquers over the devil look with me if you would at verse number 16 from 16 down to verse number 18 you'll find that he conquers over sin but it's interesting that the author here of Hebrews takes these verses and splits his victory into sin into two segments, the penalty of sin and the presence of sin. So in verse number 14 down through verse number 15, you see there that Jesus conquers over the devil and Jesus conquers over death. And now let's wade into this territory and find that Jesus actually conquers the power of sin in our life and the presence of sin in our life. Look at verse 16. For a Assuredly, and you might have something that says, uh, for verily, it just simply means that this is a well-known, this is common knowledge. The author wants you to know that every believer should know these truths. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but notice the contrast. He does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. You say, Pastor Steve, why didn't he give help to angels? I don't have any idea, but we benefit, amen? I don't know. I don't know why he didn't give help to angels. No, actually, the text simply, when you say, when it says that he gives help, he doesn't give help to angels, he gives help to us, it's speaking about human nature. You see, when God came into the world, he didn't come into the world with the nature of angels. He came into the world and took on human flesh. Now, you ought to pause for a moment, and you ought to just humbly Praise God in your own life that God cared for you to identify and take on human form. As a side note, brothers and sisters, this is is just free. I won't even charge you extra for this. This is an extra sermon. You ready? Why, Why on earth would you want to read a whole bunch of books about angels when He didn't come to help them, He came to help you? He came to help us. Look back down at the text. He does not give help. That is, He doesn't take on angel nature. No, the contrast is He gives help to the descendants of Abraham. That is the seed of Abraham. That's all human beings in the world. He comes to give us help. What is the help that he comes to give? That he takes on human nature and that through his death he defeats the devil and he defeats death and he will defeat sin. And then look at verse number 17. It gives you the reasoning behind. So look, he didn't come to uh, take on the nature of angels. He came to take on the nature of the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, because he was going to become a human being, he he had to be made like His brethren and sister and ladies. All right, He had to be made like His brethren in all things. Jesus had to be made like us in all things. Christ comes into the world as a babe in the manger and lives His life for us. He got hungry for you. He thirsted for you. He didn't have a place to sleep or to lay His head. He took on full humanity that He might be made like us in all things. Brothers and sisters, that means that whatever you're struggling with in your life today, Jesus identifies with you. He loves you. He cares for you. And there is nothing that is going on in your life whereby Christ cannot feel with you. He comes to be made like us in all things. Look back down at the text. Why does He do that? So that He might become a merciful Maybe the word here would be compassionate, a merciful, a compassionate, and a faithful or trustworthy high priest in things pertaining to God. That he might become a high priest, a merciful high priest, and a faithful high priest in the things that are pertaining to God. In the Old Testament, the high priest would go into the tabernacle once a year on the day of atonement and he would take the blood of the innocent sacrifices and he would sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and thereby make an atonement for the sins of the people. But the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats could never atone, it's simply appeased. But when Jesus goes in, he is both the high priest and he is the sacrifice that he might make an atonement for our sins. He might be our good high priest, that he might be a merciful, a compassionate and a faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. You know what's interesting about these verses? Did you know that nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that the Levite priesthood, that any of them were ever merciful? Did you know that? In fact, the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 4 through 9, that they are guilty, the priesthood is guilty of not being merciful and not being compassionate over God's people. But this text tells us that when Jesus comes into the world, He is better than the angels, He's better than Moses, He's better than the prophets, and He's better than the priests. Why? Because he is merciful, he is compassionate, he is gracious, he is not a part of some sect over here that cannot understand. He rises up with humanity and he says, Out of the midst of you, I will take your nature and I will atone for your sin. And in all points that you've been tempted, so have I. Christ cares for us that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Look back down at the text. Well, what are the things pertaining to God? Mainly this, to to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The word propitiation here simply means the appeasement or the removal of the right wrath of God upon unbelieving sinful people. That means that all of the judgment of hell belongs on me because I have sinned and come short of the glory of God because the Bible says I am an enmity with God. The Bible says that we have all gone astray. We've all gone our own way and the judgment of God belongs on every unbelieving person in the world. But Jesus bears all of that wrath. Jesus on the cross goes through hell for you taking away our sin. Another reference to this word propitiation would be Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 13 where you have the story of the the Pharisee and the tax collector and he beats on his chest and says, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Take away my sin. Take away the wrath that belongs on me. And what's the other guy doing? Looking up into heaven and saying, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. I want to say to all of us, we are all wicked people standing in need of the good grace of Jesus Christ. And He takes away our sin and our judgment by His sacrifice on the cross. The penalty of sin has been done away with in Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, I was reading this past week that down at the southern tip of Africa, there's a place called the Cape of Storms. The Cape of Storms. And the reason why is because uh, the, the, so the way that this cape jets out into the water, hundreds and hundreds of ships had sailed that way, and many and many and many deaths had taken place, and it was a place where you would never want to go, and yet there was a Portuguese captain who charted a way around this cape of fear, this cape of death, and now they have changed it into the place called the Cape of Good Hope, and Jesus does the same thing for us. The devil and death and sin are impassable. And everyone that goes that way dies. But Jesus charts the course. He goes down through the gates of hell, He comes up through the resurrection so that we might follow in Him. Look back down, if you would, at verse number 18. He not only conquers over the penalty of sin, He conquers over the presence of sin. For since He Himself... Oh, isn't that great how the text ends that way? Back up in verse number 14, it began with this double emphasis on these pronouns. He Himself likewise partook of the same. Verse number 18 ends this section by saying, For since He Himself... He didn't send an angel. He didn't send somebody else. There's nobody else. God looked through heaven and the only one fitting to accomplish the redemption of His people was His own Son. For He Himself was tempted. But now look here at the prepositional phrase. In that which He suffered. The emphasis in verse number 18 is on the temptation of Christ. But what you must understand, it is this very suffering in life that was His temptation. He is able to come to the aid. This is a rescue word. It is a military term. It means to run to the cries of those who are in danger. Aren't you thankful for brothers and sisters in our military? Can I get an name in there every once in a while? When I, when I hear the cries of those in danger, brother, hey, listen, I, I take off running. Get me and my family, we're out of there. I mean, if I'm at the mall and I hear a loud bang, we're heading for the door. But aren't you glad that there's brothers and sisters in the world that when they hear the cry of danger, they run to it instead of away from it? Oh, aren't you glad that when Jesus hears the cries of those who are in danger, in sin and devil and death, He runs to us. He runs to us. He was tempted just like we are in His sufferings, in His pain, in His heartache. When you read there the phrase, in that which He suffered, it makes reference here not just to the cross, but to the entire life of the Lord Jesus Christ. From birth till death, all of His life, and sufferings, He was tempted. Why? So that He would understand where we are and He would be able to run to our aid of those who are tempted. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I just simply want to leave you today with this. Jesus has conquered over the devil, over death, and over sin its power to take us to hell and living daily in the presence of Christ We can overcome our temptations through Him who is tempted like we are. This last week, did you live in the power and the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you give everything that you have to serve Him and follow Him and love Him and live for Him because this is the King that we serve. This King Jesus is worth following. This King Jesus is worth seeking and searching with all of your heart until you find Him. Are you really walking with Jesus? Or do you just simply have religion? I fear that one day we will come to the end and you'll be very sadly mistaken that true Christianity is not just the buy-in of a one sentimentality moment in time. It is the daily pursuit of the King of kings and Lord of lords who both destroys the devil, who destroys death, and who overcomes our sin, and He is worthy of our adoration and our service. To be a genuine Christian means that you follow Him every day of your life with everything that you have. Uh, Teaching Sunday school this morning, And I left our class with these two questions and maybe it would be good for you this week to answer these questions. Are you hotly pursuing a relationship with Jesus with everything that you have every day of your life? Is He more to you than anything else in the world? And if not, why? Is He unworthy? Has He not done enough for you? What else would you like for him to do? Don't you want to be the kind of believer that leaves here today burning and seething on the inside? Ah, just let me out. I remember years ago when that preacher preached that sermon and said, are you closer today to God today than you were a year ago? Ah, just let me out of here. I've got to get right with Jesus. I I want to love Him and walk with Him. I want my inward heart to burn with the passion of Jesus to follow Him all the days of my life. I don't want to be some idol. I don't want to be a a nonchalant. I, I don't want give God half of my heart Jesus has destroyed the devil and death and sin I want to give him everything that I have I want to leave here today yes I'm going to fail yes I'm going to fall down yes I'll need to repent this week and put my faith but I want to give God everything that I have because Jesus is worth it all I want to burn like that all the days of my life and I'm asking you my brothers and sisters do you want that If you don't want that, it's okay. I'm just pleading with you to look to Jesus at the cross and see that He'll save you out of your sin. But for heaven's sake, if you're a believer in this room, you ought to burn with the passion of Jesus to leave here today to love Him, to live for Him, and to share the truth with the world. And if you want that, right now in your own heart, why don't you ask God to give it to you? Why don't you commit today? I'm gonna to leave here and I'm going to pursue you with everything that I have. That's a good segue. I ask that you would take your Bible and turn over to the book of Second Corinthians. I get to preach two sermons today. You're saying, oh my goodness, don't worry, we'll be out by three, okay? It's our great privilege today to confirm the ordination of Josh Hernandez. Wednesday night, his uh, ordination council met. Asked him some pretty tough questions. And he survived. By the skin of his teeth, but he, no, I'm just kidding. He answered, it was great. He did a great job. In a few minutes, we'll have him come down. We'll pray together. And all of us. We'll have an opportunity to commit our own lives today to burn in the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ and to give everything we have to Him. As Emmanuel Baptist Church, we're getting ready to send our brother out. He's going to uh, Midway Midway Baptist Church in Jefferson. West Jefferson. Not to be confused with East Jefferson. West Jefferson. He's going to be serving the Lord there. Associate pastor. Pastor families, and so it's our great privilege to send him out from here with his ordination. And so I'm going to speak to him for a minute as if none of you were here, (laughs) just pastor to pastor kind of stuff, but I want you to listen in. And what you just heard, I want you to ask God to make your heart burn for him as you listen the word of God for his servant so my brother I tell you from second Corinthians chapter number 4 therefore since we have this ministry as we have received mercy we do not lose heart Josh, there will be a number of times in your life in ministry where you will want to lose heart. And if you think you have felt the oppression of the devil, just buckle up because it's coming. Do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame. Not walking in craftiness or adulterating the Word of God but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Brother, I love you. Live a holy life. Give everything that you have to be holy. What your people need most is your holiness. What you give to people is what you're becoming. Be a holy man. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelieving so that they might see the light of the uh, so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Josh, I love you. Don't Preach yourself. Don't preach yourself from the pulpit. Don't preach yourself from the lectern. Don't preach yourself in individual conversations. Preach Christ. Speak Jesus. And yourself, when you have to refer to yourself as the bondservants for God's people, you are the servant of servants. Lift Jesus up. Serve other people. Work that into your life. Don't let people lift you up. Be gracious when they say nice things. And in the back of your mind, remember who you really are, right? Don't believe your own press clippings. Okay? Preach Jesus. And serve everybody. For God who said... Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, that is the gospel, Josh, in earthen vessels, jars of clay. You are made of clay. I am made of clay. We are not perfect. Right? So one... Don't beat up on yourself more than you need to. You're going to fail and fall, okay? But two, always remember that you are a jar of clay. See, it's what's inside that's glorious. The gospel. Not you. Not me. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Now listen. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Verse 12, So death works in us, but life in you. Always bear about in you. Carry the cross. Lay down your life. Pick up your cross. Follow Jesus. Die daily to yourself. And the more that the death of Christ produces the death of Josh, Life will take place in them. Did you get that? So, death is at work in us, so that life might be at work in them. And when you die and Christ rises in you, He'll shine that light to all those that are around. Tell you this story, and we'll pray together. Some years ago, there was a young guy that wanted to go into ministry. And he came to his mentor. And he said, I want to go to a real church, not a fake one. I want to go to a good one, a big one, a, one, that's, one that's mighty and really doing... Th- I, want to, I just I want to be a part... I want to go pastor an awesome church. And the mentor said, that's, that's really good. I, I, think you, I think you should stay a year in this mentorship. The guy went away and he said, "Well, I mean, I really want—I can do things. I've got skills. I—I I, I, I can do this." So he went away for a year, stayed there in the mentorship for a year, and he studied the history and he did all this and he got all his Greek and his Hebrew out of the way. I mean, he just—he was studying all of his theology. He came back a year later and, and uh, with with the mentor, and he said, "I—I'm—I'm I'm really ready now. I want to—I want to go pastor the best and the biggest and the brightest church. I—I want to do it." And the mentor said. I think you need another couple of years of mentorship. A couple years went by and the mentor was around the church on an obscure August morning on a Sunday. And by now the sun and the time and the stress of working in the children's classes and teaching Sunday schools and being at all night lock ins had kinda worn his eyes. He had a few of those crow claws here and a little disheveled, not quite as fancy as he was, tired. See, he had been working with uh the youth and children's classes and filling in, subbing teaching and going on a mission trip and been uh giving some communion to Shut-ins. He took him aside and he said, "Uh, I thought you wanted to... Are you still interested in pastoring? You still want to pastor? What about that big church? What about that profound ministry? And the guy just looked down at the ground and looked back up at him with some tears in his eyes and he said, Christ is my ministry. All the days of your life in ministry. Make Christ your ministry. Make Him number one. Every time you look into the eyes of a person that's struggling, see Christ. Every service you do, every time you pick up trash in a bathroom when nobody's around, see Christ. And you'll be an ordained gospel ministry faithfully. And let him take care of all the rest. Amen, brother. Here's what I ask Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? So our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask if uh, Josh will come forward. As he's coming, I'm going to ask Josh to, to kneel. I'm going to ask some of our active deacons and some of the folks that were on Josh's uh, ordination council, if y'all would come and lay hands on our brother. Amen. What a sweet moment. And here's what I'm going to do, church. Josh's new pastor is here, Brother Steve. And so I'm going to ask if he would to lift his voice and pray for Josh. And then uh, when he finishes, I'll pray for for us as a a church and pray over Josh.
2: Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts in the presence of the Lord today, Lord, today we want to honor the Lord Jesus by setting apart one who has felt the call upon his life to be a called out servant of God. I'm thankful, Father, today for the challenge that has been given to him from the Word of God. May those words that have been read to him and shared with him today, Father, echo in his heart and his mind and his life. Father, as he rises in the morning, Father, may he hear those words speak to his heart. As he struggles through the days that, Father, sometimes there will be, may he hear those words in his heart. And Father, with tears, as we often do when we lay our head upon the pillow at night, may we hear those words in his heart. Lord, I'm thankful, Father, for the call that you have placed upon his life. Father, for the things that you have shared with him to this point. Father, have built him to be the man that you want him to be, the man that you have called him out to be. Now, Father, as he steps forward, Lord, may he realize that, uh, Lord, it is not him. But as the Apostle Paul said, that uh, I crucify my flesh so that it is not I but Christ that liveth in me. Lord, I pray that, Father, that You'd help Josh to crucify that flesh daily so that it's not him, but it is Christ who lives through him. Lord, I pray that You would just give him that passion, Father, that he has for families, for fathers to be fathers, for children to be obedient children, for ministry, Father, to be his heart's call. Lord, wherever it is that, Father, that You call him throughout this life. May this be a beginning point in him to know that, Father God, that you, not he, not even this church, but you have called him out for your service. (laughs) So, Father, I pray that he would constantly look to you and that he would know that, Father, that the man who met around him the other night to question his theology, Father, uh, to question his uh, resolve and his determination. Father, they are not the ones who called him out. But Father, it has been the Spirit of God who has been working on his life for years. Who has brought him to this point today. To anoint him, to separate him for the service and the call of ministry to the body of Christ. And Father, as we look forward as a body to receive him into our family. And and to to hear him and to, uh, uh, to be led by him pray that Father that you would prepare our church Father for the work that you have instilled within his heart and that calling upon him and may Father the Spirit of God rest upon him and strengthen him and ever shadow his family Lord as a we pray, Lord, that this ministry is not a, a, an individual call. Though he is the, the minister, he is bringing his family alongside in this call of ministry. So we pray a hedge of protection about them. And Lord, that you would bring uh, Sabrina along him with him to, to walk this walk so that there would be a, a team effort. Lord, together they would lean on one another as they lean on you. And as they raise their family. Father, to serve the Lord. May they be that example before others as he is feeling this call and moving towards this ministry of family ministry. Let his life so be an example that others will see Christ in them. For it's in Jesus' sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Father, we love You can think of no other words than what my brother said. So we pray and we dedicate our brother to you right now. Pray for your hand of protection upon Josh and his family, Lord. We thank you for his years here. We pray for many, many good years of service at Midway. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask if um, Josh's family will join him up here with me. We have a certificate of ordination. Oh, look at that. Pastor didn't sign it. You must not be able to go. No, I'm just messing with. You. Um, we the undersigned upon the recommendation and request of Emmanuel Baptist Church at our address here, which has full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God given gifts, and after satisfactory examination by us in regard to the Christian experience. Called to the ministry and views of Bible doctrine hereby certify that Joshua Hernandez was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority and order of the Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Should you give these folks a round of applause, please? And uh, Church Body, we also, uh, I hope you all didn't mind, I made an executive decision. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Uh, we, we, uh, Josh, like me, he likes to read. And so uh, we got him a gift card uh, to Lifeway. Uh, so that he will be able to go, I, I get a little. I'm a little strange. I don't like people picking my books out for me, and uh, so I figured he might be the same way. So we got even a gift card to uh, to Lifeway, so that Sabrina will be most happy that now he has more books. And uh, let's all let's all stand together together, and uh, let's let's do this today. I'm going to have a, a word of prayer for us. And um, I'm going to ask, if you don't have a a roast that's burning on the stove or something like that, would you just take a minute after the service, uh, come by, uh, oh, hey, brother, I'm sorry, did you want to, you wanted to say something? Yeah, that's okay. Yes, yes, do you need a microphone or? Yeah. Okay. You can tell he's already got some preach in him, that's, here you go.
0: I'm sorry, uh, I'm going to read it. I wrote it uh, a few weeks ago, I mean, Sabrina, and uh, I just wanted to share it with you guys, and I do better uh, from my notes, so bear with me. To our church family at EBC, we cannot thank God enough for bringing us to a church full of His people. The help, encouragement, compassion, and growth we experience as members of EBC will forever be representative of how the body of Christ should be. When we first came, we were nervous, intimidated, and slightly anxious, especially as parents to small children, (laughs) rambunctious children. But never once did we feel unwelcomed or looked at uh, in in a demeaning way. We experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as the entire church body, young and old, welcomed us into the presence of a people serving their Creator. Our children were loved as we were, And this is very huge in a day and age when families are breaking down and the enemy is trying to destroy what God has built. We will miss you all very much and hope to keep in touch. Words will never, ever be enough. But thank you for everything you've done for us. All
1: right, brothers and sisters, let's pray together. And uh, please come by and uh, give this family lots of hugs and kisses and all the germs you can possibly... No, I'm just messing with you. Uh, It may uh, just show your appreciation for uh, their time here. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we love you, and thank you for your kindness and mercy and grace. We thank you for the Hernandez family, Lord, and what they've meant to our church. Thank you for our brother Josh, and uh, Lord, we're so thankful for him, for you calling him into the gospel ministry. We pray for Midway. Uh, Lord, we pray for a fruitful, wonderful family ministry there. Pray that uh, children and, and youth and moms and dads who come to faith in Jesus Christ, we pray that marriages would be restored. We pray that uh, parenting would, uh, be, it would be helped greatly. Lord, would you please cause a spirit of revival to fall upon them? And Lord, we thank you again for all that you've done. We pray these things now in the name of Christ. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcralee.com.